0: Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, climate change, fossil fuels, government regulations, and heck, we'll even throw in the kitchen stove as we consider how a warming planet is affecting public health. There's actually been a lot of talk recently about gas stoves with the Michigan congressman this week introducing a bill designed to preemptively stave off any regulation whatsoever over toxic emissions from gas stoves. And that became a big issue when a member of the U.S. Product Safety Commission recently suggested they'd look at regulating gas stoves and called an outright ban on new gas stoves a real possibility. Well, there was an immediate hue and cry, including from restaurants fretting about what that could mean for their ability to make tasty meals. And of course, concerns from homeowners all over the country about whether or not they were gonna have to get rid of their beloved gas stoves. Well, none of that's gonna happen, at least not anytime soon. And in fact, the original idea was to regulate the sales of new gas stoves, not the use of the old ones. And the head of the U.S. Product Safety Commission has come out since then clarifying they're not planning to ban gas stoves, but they are actively engaged in strengthening voluntary safety standards for them. So you might be wondering, why does this all actually matter? Dr. Brandon Bohr, who is an associate professor of civil engineering at Purdue University, talked about it recently with the Associated
1: Press. Recent research has shown that the use of gas stoves for cooking has led to an increased prevalence of childhood asthma. Uh, we know that exposure to nitrogen oxides that are produced during the combustion process can trigger asthma attacks and us, other respiratory illnesses in people with asthma. Uh, The very small particles that are produced from the combustion process can penetrate deep into our respiratory system and are associated with adverse health outcomes. But one thing I do wanna point out is that any cooking process will produce indoor air pollution. Uh, You're producing particulate matter, volatile organic compounds, and that's gonna occur irrespective of the stove that you're using. So I think we need to take a holistic approach to improving indoor air quality, in kitchens, in the home environment. And that can include, of course, removing gas appliances. But we do again have to be aware that cooking in general produces pollution and that better ventilation, better filtration in the home will reduce our exposures to whatever we generate when we cook.
0: But beyond that, there's a bigger picture. So let's take a look at that now. First a report from CBS News correspondent Vicky Barker, who tells us US greenhouse gas emissions are back on the rise despite renewables overtaking coal power. America's greenhouse gas emissions are almost back to pre-pandemic levels, endangering President Biden's climate goals. Most of last year's increase came not from cars and factories, but from homes and other buildings, which burn fossil fuels like natural gas in furnaces, hot water heaters and other appliances. And CBS's Dania Bagas says there's a new report out indicating last year was another hot one, with temperatures spiking all around the world. An annual global analysis found 2022 was also a year marked by extreme weather events, and California is in the midst of one right now. Sarah Kapnik is a chief government scientist and says planet Earth was two degrees warmer last year than in the mid-19th century.
2: We're going to continue to see this trend as long as greenhouse gases are accumulating in the atmosphere. Another way to think about this year and this time right now and the future is that This is one of the coolest years for the rest
0: of our lives. Just months ago, California suffered a record heat wave with triple-digit temperatures and devastating fires. Now the state is suffering endless rain. Communities are cleaning up, but more storms are on the way. Next, a report from BBC News correspondent Jonah Fisher, who tells us only a few days into the new year, temperature records are already being smashed across Europe, with eight countries recording their hottest temperatures ever for the month of January.
2: Hundreds of weather stations have recorded their warmest ever January temperature. Scientists have been warning for decades that greenhouse gases are warming our planet. And last year, Germany, France and the UK all experienced their hottest ever years.
0: And during a recent presentation on climate change and public health sponsored by Green Energy Ohio, Dr. Ash Sagal from Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland talked about its impact on some of our most disadvantaged communities.
3: There are four main uh, climate hazards. Those are uh, increased temperature, uh, wildfires and air pollution, storms and floods and droughts. And each of those four climate hazards have uh, adverse health consequences. So uh, increased temperature can cause uh, dehydration, fatigue, kidney disease, and heat stroke, among other things. Uh, Wildfires and air pollution increase uh, asthma and allergies, which isn't surprising, but it turns out that air pollution also increases heart disease and overall mortality Uh, Storms and floods cause injuries, deaths, and adverse effects on mental health, and uh, droughts reduce fresh water supplies and agricultural production, which can result in uh, malnutrition and diarrheal diseases. Now, all of these things are more likely to affect underserved and vulnerable communities because uh, people in those communities are more likely to work outdoors, to not, not have air conditioning in their homes, to already have chronic diseases that could be worsened by climate change and to not have the economic means to deal with climate disasters. So that's, the, that's why uh, the health impacts of uh, climate change are especially uh, important for vulnerable communities. Now, what are we doing about it? Well, uh, there's some communities that are creating cooling centers that can be used whenever there's a heat event. There's some communities that are updating their disaster plans uh, to better deal with the extreme weather. Uh, There's some communities that are trying to reinforce critical infrastructure, uh, but I think it would be fair to say that a lot more needs to be done to prepare for the health impacts of climate change, both uh, in general and specifically for uh, vulnerable communities
0: one of the most vulnerable groups is children with breathing problems like asthma. And Tracy Sabetta, who's with a national advocacy organization called Moms Clear Air Force, talked about that.
2: One thing that I know our local communities are really looking is eliminating the harmful impacts of urban heat islands, where we really are starting to see um, extreme temperatures take their toll on these local communities. In fact, if you take a look, one of the the biggest impacts Ohio is seeing of climate change right now is overnight temperatures. They used to dip. Um, you know, we were used to warm days in the summer, hot days in the summer, but overnight we saw some relief, especially for those folks who didn't have air conditioning. And we're just not seeing as much of that anymore. Um, Central Ohio is, is definitely seeing that as a problem, but we've seen records set in the communities of Toledo and Akron and Mansfield and, and Finley where their overnight low temperatures sometimes don't even dip below the 70s and, and 80s to give that natural cooling to their um, to their apartments or to their homes or you know and if they don't have air conditioning then they're not getting that natural relief so local communities are looking at ways to um, implement additional cooling centers or to distribute fans or air conditioning but it's 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 hard I mean that's not necessarily enough to keep people from feeling the impacts of of this extreme heat and we know that um, the impact of heat on children's asthma rates exacerbates asthma attacks. So this is something that I think we're we're definitely going to need to be addressing moving forward.
3: So how do we do that?
0: Dr. Ash Sagal.
3: One of the things that we could do is subsidize or provide other kinds of assistance so that uh, people can get solar-powered air conditioning in their their homes. And then if we're dealing with uh, people who already have Respiratory conditions, then we can uh, give them instructions about the need to stay indoors when the air quality is bad or to wear a high quality mask if they have to go outdoors. And uh, as other people have already said, it's always a good idea to plant trees so that they can both uh, provide uh, shade and uh, absorb carbon dioxide. And then I think we need to do some more work to try to figure out why people don't take advantage. Of cooling centers, even when they do exist.
0: Meanwhile, Jenny McAdams, who's the sustainability supervisor for Franklin County Public Health in Columbus, says they're working on it.
2: So, we're creating interventions and we're targeting those vulnerable populations and we're targeting the issues that are happening rather than the policies at this point. Um, And we're a lot of the projects we're doing now really are about gathering that baseline data so that we can create um, either better interventions or we can understand the landscape better. So, as Dr. Sagal mentioned, you know, the effects of asthma and heat that we're seeing. We want to be able to better understand that so we can create um, process, so we can create interventions, whether those be cooling centers or ways to get air conditioning to people or tree canopies. Um, so we're really looking at a lot of those different sort of out-of-the-box, less po- policy-driven ways. Um, and we're really working a lot with our collaboratively with our communities and residents um, and working with some of our folks across the country. who are also going through
0: this. That was Jenny McAdams with Franklin County Public Health, and I'm Jean Destro. Thanks for listening, and thanks also to Green Energy Ohio for sharing the audio from their recent climate and public health Zoom presentation with us. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.